Hello, and welcome to another episode of Drama Talk, the podcast where we talk about dramas. Um, I'm your host today, Alpha, and today is the first ever solo episode of Alpha's Dramas Drama Deep Dives. And today's episode is going to be about Love Under the Full Moon, a 2021 drama starring Zhu Jingyi as Lei Chusha and Zhang Yi Chen as Zhu Xiaodong. And um, so I'm hoping that once or twice a month, I'm going to be able to put out a couple of um, episodes of Alpha's drama deep dives where we go through, we talk about like really like the deep things of the um, drama. So I like to look at themes like um, things like themes and motifs, as well as um, political and social ideologies. So and the, the kind of the messaging that we're looking at within dramas. So without further ado, we're going to dive right on in. I am Alpha and I have thoughts. So Love Under the Full Moon is about a girl named Lei Chusha who travels through a time rift to 10 years in the future. And I'm going to try to do this without very many spoilers, but this is going to be pretty spoiler heavy, but I'm going to try to keep it on like the low end of spoilers. So we're going to start by going through kind of the characters and um, what I thought about them as um, individuals and then also as their interrelationships between one another. Um, So starting off right off the top, we have Lei Chusha. She has a very bubbly personality. She's very kind, very intelligent, and clever. Um, One of the things I really loved about um, Chusha was that she trusts her own judgment. So she has amnesia at the very beginning of the series where she doesn't remember anything that brought her through the time rift. And she has to kind of just... um, recognize truth in things without having very much context and several times she says that something feels off to her about things that are um, happening around her and she trusts her own judgment and I really think that as a female character that is incredibly important to trust your own judgment but also to have that example in media is not often found So she doesn't question the fact that she is having kind of a internal conflict between what is being told to her and what her body knows. We talk about this thing in psychology a lot called feeling your feelings. Um, And one of the things about feeling your feelings is kind of this like mm, overarching concept where like you're supposed to like actually let yourself feel what you feel. And you're like, well, how do I feel feelings? What we're actually talking about is feeling the sensation in your body. So every emotion comes with a physical sensation. And for Lei Chusha, what's happening is, is that her physical sensation of her feeling is not matching up with the input of what she is being told. And she trusts her physical sensation implicitly. And she knows better than to like jump around so i really like um that about Latrusha. um the other thing is that she faces things head-on she's very direct um she's very like she's she's quick to pick up on things there are a couple of different instances where Dong is like trying to keep secrets from her or thinks he's keeping secrets from her but she's kind of figured out from the very beginning what the real situation is going on and instead of calling him out on like being a liar or things like that she has this very unique way of 
processing the world around her. And so she can kind of tell that, like, he's not telling her the truth, but there must be a good reason for it. So she lets him come to her and tell her these things. While at the same time, she will directly confront issues with Zhu Zhadong if she feels that she needs to. So I really liked Lei Chusha as a character. And that's really important for me in dramas is that I want a female lead that I can relate to if there is a female lead. I want to be able to relate to her. So for a second lead, or main lead, um, but he's the male lead, um, his name is Zhu Zhadong. Um, He has an alternate persona named Winter who um, designed a computer program. Um, and he's kind of famous in the gaming industry for his for his game that he created. And when we start to see his nickname, we're going to talk about this later in Themes and Motifs, but one of the things about his nickname being Winter, and his name actually meaning Winter, is it that they really play on this motif of summer versus winter, this yin versus yang, um, divine masculine versus divine feminine themes and motifs throughout the whole thing. So we're going to cover that a little bit later, but um, Zhu Zhadong and Lu, Lei Chusha are a perfect example of this yin and yang energy, divine masculine, divine feminine, and I can't wait to get into that a little bit further. Um, but Zhu Zhadong is a computer programming genius. He's extremely kind and considerate, but he comes off really harsh in the first few episodes. I think they were trying to do like enemies to lovers type thing, but really he's just kind of misunderstood and cranky. He's just a grouch. Um, but he takes care of Lei Chusha, even though he doesn't have to. And he does it quietly, quietly supports her from behind the scenes. And, um, takes care of her under the persona of Winter, who she has never met Winter. She doesn't know that Zhu Zhadong is Winter. So she just knows that this character, Winter, is taking care of her. And he doesn't, like, bring it up. He doesn't mention it. He just kind of quietly takes care of her needs. Um, and he also trusts her judgment. So he watches her. So, like, she trusts her own judgment. He watches her, and he notices when when she feels that something's off. And he trusts her judgment and will, like, start to be a little bit more aware of what's going on around him. Great male lead character. Fantastic male lead character. Like, letting um, Lei Chusha kind of, like, face her own problems um, while also being really supportive of her um, in a very excellent example of the divine masculine for our main antagonist um we have Wei jean he um and he's he's the big bad he's the bad guy he's a liar he's very cold um they do try to give him sort of a redemption arc which we're going to go into into themes and in themes and motifs so we'll be coming back to him all, all around i found him very unlikable and i did not think that the react uh, redemption arc gave any kind of validation to him as a character. They did a much better job with uh, Chen Yue, um, who is Wei Zhonghei's uh, love interest. She is incredibly ambitious as a character. They pull off this very beautifully done, sophisticated, morally gray character. And morally gray characters are incredibly difficult to do, to pull off as an actor and also as a writer. It's not easy to have a good, morally great character. Somebody who has both of the the motivations that you can kind of, like, empathize with. You can kind of understand where they're coming from and why they are doing the things that they're doing. And 
also like you kind of hate them at the same time like you can kind of like see why they're making these bad choices um and sometimes they make good choices and sometimes they make good bad choices but all of them are for a particular reason Chen Yue is um incredibly ambitious so she makes a lot of her choices um based on her own ambition um but she also has some professional integrity I'm not going to say that she has like moral integrity because I think she does some questionably moral things um but she has professional integrity and she takes that pretty seriously and that makes her a really interesting character a couple of characters that we don't really see very much of but we get some like good moments from that I might hit on um we have uh Jin Xiao Rei who is the comic relief best friend of Zhu Xiaodong um I thought he was kind of just a throwaway character I didn't really like him or not like him he was just perfectly fine um and uh Yong Yong who is Lei Trusha's bestie and uh Jin Jaure's um, love interest and again I kind of I really liked her as like um Trusha's bestie but like the relationship between her and Jaure was kind of like a throwaway like just we got more like um skinship from Jin Jaurei and Yan Yang than we did from Lei Chusha and Zhu Zhadong, which I was kind of disappointed in because I thought Chusha and Zhadong had a really, really good um, chemistry. I really liked their chemistry. I actually picked this drama up because I saw a YouTube video of them kissing and thought, hmm, they have pretty good chemistry um, and I would like to watch that. So um, that is what I decided to do. Moving on into themes and motifs. So we have a lot of thoughts here. Uh, as always, I am kind of a I kind of a deep thinker and I like to think about what what different things have meanings. And I think that this was an extremely well written drama because the way that they kind of bridge their themes and motifs from one idea to the other makes this really cohesive story that they're telling. And even though the ending I didn't it was a satisfying ending. I liked the ending just fine. It wasn't, mm, it wasn't my typical like enjoy fluff, fluffy ending. I wouldn't call it a fluffy ending whatsoever. But the ending really makes sense in the overall story that they are telling. So I'm gonna um, just go ahead and jump into the themes and motifs. There are no like specific like order. I'm just gonna how I thought of them is how we're going to discuss them. So the very first thing I want to kind of touch on is color theory. So uh, I think uh, the colors kind of help you tell stories in design as well as how color psychology, like how we think about colors. So like a, a good example of this is like white equals light and good and black equals bad and power. You know what I mean? So those kind of like, it's very... Mm, it's not very a nuanced way of looking at things, but sometimes um, writers and scene developers and um, your costume designers can really use this to help an aid tell the story. And I think they did a masterful job um, with their color theory in this drama. So um, the main example I really want to use is Lei Trusha's outfits with her costume design. Um, she is wears main three main colors she wears black and white together combined or she wears purple and this 
these colors become sort of this motif of this whole entire story. Um, so, like we already talked about, black kind of symbolizes power and authority and strength. White represents righteousness, goodness, and peacefulness. So, when you have those two colors combined, you're pulling both like a very sophisticated look and also um, pulling in this idea of purity and um, goodness, right? So this kind of like this juxtaposition. And the writers play with the juxtaposition of power um, and goodness quite a bit in this drama. And so when you see Le Chouchou wearing black and white, um, I made a, a note um, every time I noticed she was wearing black and white and kind of like thought about um, what was happening in the setting at the time. And almost every time that she's wearing black and white, she is trying to figure out something. So she's wrestling with that balance of like strength and peace with righteousness and authority and power um, and goodness, right? She's wrestling with this kind of her identity. She's trying to figure out who she is. Every time, the other color that she wears primarily is purple. Now, purple is a really interesting color. So, um, there are not a lot of natural ingredients that can make a purple dye. So, way back in the ancient times, uh, they used to make purple dye out of um, shells. There's a type of shell that has like a purple base the very like in the bottom corner and they used that they used to pull that out to make the purple dye and so it became associated with royalty because it was very hard to find and thus very expensive so purple is associated with royalty but it's also associated with mystery magic and fantasy so every time that Le Chouchat is shown crossing the time rift or about to cross the time rift, or having come through the time time rift, she is in a shade of purple. And um, so I think that this is really an interesting choice as far as the costume design, where they have chosen, you can kind of tell like what's going to happen in the story by paying attention to what color Le Chusha is wearing in her outfits. Now, she does wear a couple of other colors, but these are the main ones that you see throughout the drama. The other thing that purple kind of represents is autumn. And that kind of brings me into my next point, which is the juxtaposition of summer versus winter. Throughout this whole entire drama, there is they play with opposites. So black versus white in color theory, black versus white. And purple kind of also represents autumn. So another area is summer versus winter. So Le Chusha, her name means early summer. Zhu Xiaodong, his name means winter. And the, the, they literally mean those two things. They meet for the first time originally in winter. When she comes through the time rift, it is early summer. We also see that Zhu Xiaodong, he uses this um, screen name of winter. So that's a little bit more blatant than the way that they use it for Le Chusha. But Le Chusha owns a cafe and the cafe is called Summertime. She is a baker and she makes a cake and it's all about that first kiss of summer. So they think about this idea of summer and they translate it into warmth, 
kindness and they kind of make her as a character she kind of embodies this idea of early summer like very romantic and free and mysterious and new and learning something kind of innocence that she represents um comparatively to Dong, who is winter he's very cold when we first meet him he's had a lot of suffering he knows who what he wants and knows who he is but he's kind of hiding who he is he's he's kind of like below the radar um and he consistently compares Chusha to the sun and um this is another kind of motif that we see is the sun um the moon the stars and the universe we um are constantly getting um information so like in the very first episode part of the reason why she's able to come through the time rift is it's related to this supernova and the moon and so she comes through the time rift because of this super moon but she is constantly compared to the sun um the stars and the universe we kind of we see a lot of like motif playing with like um there's a there's a scene where they are drawing a star on the palm of their hand and that's supposed to help them make a wish um all of these things these bodies these great like mysteries this this is a show about mysteries about things that don't make sense and navigating love in a way that is kind of set free from the constraints of time and space with some really interesting um physics added in there which we're going to get to because physics is a motif in our um list that i have here so we've talked about a little bit about summer and winter and now i'm going to tie that directly into the divine masculine and the divine feminine so like I was saying earlier, authors of this script really like to play with juxtapositions and opposites. So we have black and white, we have summer and winter, and we have divine masculine and divine feminine, or the yin and yang. So what is the difference between a divine masculine and divine feminine? Let me back up. What's the difference between just masculinity and just femininity? Outside of a societal structure that dictates masculinity and femininity, in america we see feminine as like very nurturing and caring and loving and demure and gentle and men are the leaders and strong and you know sure of themselves but when we take a look at what the divine masculine and the divine feminine what those are are the idea that masculinity is not just a force of or a a representation of what it means to be a male but it is a force of nature itself and so everything in the world or in the universe embodies the divine masculine or the divine feminine and when we add divine in front of masculine what we're saying is is that there are some really toxic things about masculinity there are very toxic things about femininity when we take out the toxicity we are left with the divine so the absence of things like controlling this in masculinity or the absence of manipulation in um, femininity so i i think one of my favorite examples of the divine masculine versus the divine feminine um i was watching i can't remember what i was watching but i was watching something and somebody was talking about this moment in george of the jungle where he is driving in a car with ursula 
and he's telling her scream and she's like I don't want to scream why would I scream he's like just scream it's gonna help it's gonna make you feel better and she he draws out this scream from her that she really needed to scream in that moment and he gives her a sense of security and strengthens and helps her scream because that's what she needed. That is a perfect example of the divine masculine. Divine masculine secures, strengthens, and has a giving nature. That's just like three very succinct things, right? There, the divine feminine nurtures, assures, and has a receiving nature. And that's not saying that like there are divine masculinity or divine femininity has to be embodied by males versus females no this is outside of that these are just the forces so the yin and yang symbol you know that you have the black side with the white circle in the middle and the white side with the black circle in the middle and that is always like how they're always very they balance each other out but even in the midst of masculinity you will have elements of the feminine. And even within the femininity, you will have elements of masculinity. So, and again, this is not about gender identity. This is outside of that. We have kind of taken these ideas and made them about gender identity um, here in the United States especially. But what it really is, is the, the nature of the force itself. So I think that that's a really interesting how they the juxtaposition that they pull through the entire show of um, yin and yang and opposites and how they work together to create balance. Um, so moving on into ideologies. So we're moving from motifs into ideologies. There are two main ideologies that I really want to touch on. The first is the ideologies of freedom. And one of the things this drama is really act, asking us to think about is what does it mean to be free or have freedom of choice? So Leitrusha is stuck in a time loop. So she goes back in time several times to try to correct the errors. And the first few times that she goes, she is not successful. And she comes through the time loop, and kind of starts all over from the beginning. So we find ourselves asking if she really has any choice to be there. Because every time she chooses to go back, she's unable to correct the past to stop her from going through the time rift again. She is not able to give herself that choice. So you start to ask if she actually does have a choice and if she doesn't have a choice is she truly free i think that this is a really interesting question to ask when you're looking at time travel and time loops um and and actually at the end um and we're going to kind of go over this a little bit later the ending gives you a conclusion that's very different than you would expect so when if you go and watch this drama i want you to kind of think about what is freedom what does it mean to have freedom of choice? Because that is kind of a core question that they're asking in this drama. Moving on into love ideologies. So this is a romance drama. And so they're kind of sending a message about what they think love is. Um, there, there's three main areas or three main things that they hit on um, with love. So love making you a better person. And that if it's not making you a better person, it's not really love 
Um, and we see this with um, Wei Zhonghe and Chin Yu, who um, kind of have this really, like, kind of rocky relationship. He's pretty bad to her. And I really don't like him. I just really don't like him at all. Which you're not supposed to. He's the bad guy. But Chin Yue, she is, she deserves so much better. And she tells him, I'm going to love you no matter what. I love you with your bad, like, even with your flaws. I love you with your flaws. But she doesn't tell him that she doesn't expect him to become better. Um, and actually encourages him along the way to become better. The second um, ideology that they kind of put in there about love is that love always finds a way. That love is force stronger than time and space. So Chusha and Zhao Dong are separated multiple times throughout the drama in time and space. And every single time she's and he are trying to find a way to come back together. And one of the main, um, one of the characters, Zhao Dong's aunt says that love is stronger than time and space, that there's nothing as strong as love. And at the end of the drama, what she has to say is like the overarching, like I think the really the message that they're trying to say is that love is going to be um, above and beyond any and all of your expectations. So I think that's really, I think those are really interesting ideologies. So then I have two areas that are just kind of thoughts that I had while I was um, watching the drama that I kind of want to hit on before we go into um, time travel, parallel worlds, and physics. So the subverted tropes of this drama are hilarious and incredible. And I'm going to talk about two main ones. Um, maybe three. Uh, <laughs> the green tea biscuit trope. So, for those of you who listen to our podcast, you probably know that I really like a good green tea biscuit, and Kyo loathes them. This one, this drama subverts the green tea biscuit trope. And so what I mean by a subverted trope is you have the trope, right? You have the green tea biscuit. A subverted trope is where you take the green tea biscuit and you flip it on its head and you do the opposite of what the green tea biscuit is meant to do. So in a regular green tea biscuit trope, she is meant to cause friction and tension between the male lead and the female lead or the the two main characters, right? That's her role. But in this one, Chen Yue, I would categorize her as a definite green tea biscuit. She has her whole moment where she's like, he's mine. But she's telling Lei Chusha that he's mine, not about Zhao Dong, but about Wei Zhang He, who is Lei Chusha's ex-boyfriend. Um, and so she's like kind of like making her claim like he's mine and you cannot have him. And we see that a lot in other dramas with green tea biscuits. But the reason why it's subverted is because it's actually going to be helping the main characters, not hindering them. So Lei Chusha just kind of like looks at her and is like, you can have him. I'm not interested. But taking that trope and kind of flipping it on its head is a really smart way of making a drama kind of fresh and new. 
Um, another subverted trope in this drama is contract dating. So we have an example of contract dating in Wei Zhonghe and um, Chen Yue, who have a contract to date. And in this one, like usually when you have contract dating, you have like it's kind of being forced, they're being forced together, and then that forced proximity makes them fall in love. And while I do think that Chen Yue and um, Wei Zhonghe do have um, some amount of affection for each other, their contract dating and forced proximity really becomes more of a character development arc for Chen Yue and for Zhonghe, um, rather than, like, make them fall in love. Um, they do have romance, they do have a romance, they do end up, like, together, I believe, they, um, I mean, they don't really, like, hit on it at the end, but, like, I did, th I did feel like this was a really interesting way of, like, seeing, like, asking the question of what would happen if the contract dating didn't go right, and I think that this does a really excellent and interesting job of asking that question and creating a story that's really believable for two characters. And then another subverted trope is we have time travel. Um, time travel is a huge um, trope in drama land, especially in fantasies, but this one kind of takes a, instead of making it kind of fantastical, they really ground it in physics. And I think that this might be one of the most interesting discussions or kind of like a commentary on time travel and parallel worlds that I've ever watched. It was just a really interesting plot point. And I'm going to hit on it specifically by itself, so I'm going to just kind of move on and just say it's part of the subverted tropes, and we'll kind of go over it when we get there. The next thing I kind of want to talk about is uh, redemption arcs. Now, redemption arcs are two main types of redemption arcs. There's a breaking point redemption arc, and there's a slow burn redemption arc. A great example of a slow burn redemption arc is um, Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and the main, the most important thing that you can have for a slow burn redemption arc is time. The example in Love Under the Full Moon is not a slow burn redemption arc. And in fact, I think that it's a really poor example of a redemption arc, and I'm going to tell you why. Wei Zhonghe is the bad guy. He's the ex-boyfriend. He's the one that's really trying to do, like, most of the, like, problems. He's causing most of the problems. Now, he does use a couple of other characters in order to do this, but he is really just, like, we call him the BBG. Um, he's just the big bad guy um, in the overall story. And you can kind of tell early early on that they're going to want to try to give him a redemption arc and then they go wrong in his redemption arc they give him they don't give him enough time for it to be real to be believable so in a breaking point redemption arc there are five main elements um the first is that the bad guy has to have a weak point. Um, probably the most famous example of a breaking point redemption arc would be um, Darth Vader from Star Wars. Um, really don't like Star Wars that much, and that's a completely different story for a completely different time. But um, I think they do a really good job with a breaking point redemption arc um, that they just kind of failed to do well in this one. So, um, Wei Zhonghe's weak point is his father. He's had this really bad relationship with his father. His father is really hard on him. And so we're supposed 
to believe that he's making all these bad decisions and doing these bad things because he wants to prove to his dad that he is worthy of his love. And I'm not sure I understand that, um, but that is his weak point. His weak point is his dad. Um, number two, they have to have a positive example in their lives in order to have a full redemption arc. In this drama, um, Le Chusha is supposed to be his positive example, his son, the person that's supposed to pull him from the darkness into the light. Um, that's the whole entire, like, her whole entire role is that she's supposed to change everybody around her. I think also they they try to use Chen Yue interchangeably with Lei Chusha, and I think that that's why it really just kind of, it doesn't work in the end. Um, so the the positive example, Lei Chusha and Chen Yue, because Chen Yue is so ambitious, she actually kind of, like, helps him do the things that he's not supposed to do because she loves him. So, not the greatest positive example, um, but I think that she does things in the end which do eventually lead him to his, um, for lack of a better word, redemption, um, even though I don't feel like he was redeemed in the end. Um, the third thing is a final trial. So, for um, Zhang He, his final trial is the Family First app. Um, he discovers that there's a big issue with it, and he has to choose whether he's going to confess or if he's going to cover it up. Um, and at first, he decides he's going to cover it up, and um, he, I mean, he makes those choices that he has to make plot-wise to make there be a plot, um, and ends up reconciling with his father um as part of his final trial um which leads us to to the fourth thing that you need for a good redemption arc is a major sacrifice so he confesses on like live tv to all of his bad jujus that he has done and then goes to jail like or we're we're supposed to assume that he goes to jail i don't we don't ever actually see him bear the consequences because of the nature of the ending which we're going to touch on in just a second and then the fat um the number five is the validation of the sacrifice so that's where the main characters are supposed to say or lay Chusha specifically the positive example is supposed to validate the sacrifice um she's supposed to say well great job you did this you're amazing thank you like we're supposed to get this really big validation and they're supposed to like have a moment where she changes him and she is able to have this moment with him but it it falls flat on several levels um so because we're dealing with time travel and parallel worlds and physics um we've run into a pretty um interesting problem so in the very beginning of the drama we find out that the reason why she's going through the time rift is because of gravitational waves out um that were caused by the supermoon causing her to jump from one timeline to the other and they kind of use time travel and parallel worlds as like a mm, energy almost interchangeably or that's the way it seems with the subtitles i've heard the subtitles aren't that great um but um i did watch this on iq um and i kind of got the sense that um they're talking about timelines being parallel to each other but also they converge on a single point. So at the end, in the very last episode, we kind of find out that when you have a beginning, point A, 
there are lots of different possibilities, right? Lots of different possibilities. And all of those possibilities are leading to a point B. And she asked, Leitusha kind of asked the question in the last episode, what is my point B? What is that final moment that these other choices are leading to? So she ends up having, like, the gravitational waves are dissipating. And she has the choice to either go back um, in time and start the time loop all over again, where she'll definitely meet Zhao Dong, and she won't be able to stop anything that's happened. And then the other choice is that the universe will open up a way for her to stop everything that's happened, and she will have to live on in her current timeline Um never knowing if she's going to meet Xiao Dong again. And she chooses to, uh, and this is the big spoiler, so if you don't want to know the ending, kind of fast forward a little bit, I'll try to get a timestamp in here for you. She chooses to stay on and correct the errors that caused Xiao Dong to lose to lose the things that he lost. And um, she kind of, she spends 10, world, 10 years instead of, in her world knowing all the past things and we get this kind of this really beautiful ending that makes perfect sense for the show and the um ideas that they're trying to convey but it's also kind of like hmm, i wish that they had been a little more sad like a little bit more like kissing and loving and stuff like that so at the end um, we find the destined point B is that they do meet again, and um, she kind of like sees him, and he sees her, and it's kind of like they've come full circle in these parallel worlds in this time travel. Like her choice to make things better for him worked, and we don't we don't get to see like what kind of personality changes that causes for him. We don't get to see the development of their relationship if he believes her. Um, when she starts talking about parallel worlds, we don't get any kind of, any of those questions answered. Because the last scene is just her looking at him and him looking at her after she's been apart from him for 10 years and he doesn't remember her. And so, like, I kind of wish for a season two, but I will say that this ending makes perfect sense for the story that they're telling. And so I'm going to get I'm going to give it an overall rating of a 9 out of 10. Um I really really enjoyed it. I thought the ending made perfect sense. I thought it was well written. It had great storytelling. Um it has a fluff factor of 7 out of 10, so not the fluffiest, but definitely not the most angsty. I really really did like this drama. I thought it was excellently written. Um really great characters. Um and just an interesting story overall. So some of the things that I really didn't like was the redemption arc. So when she, when Lei Trusha goes back in time and she corrects all these issues, she has this moment with um, Wei Zhonghe where she's like, you don't have to do this because I know your secret dream. And he's like, oh, you know my secret dream? I believe everything you say. And then he just doesn't make the same choice that he made in the other one. And for me, that's not believable. Like, he confessed in the first timeline before she goes, um, before she's pulled back by the gravitational waves again, and, um, he confesses, and he's supposed to be facing his consequences, and then all of that is gone, and she's just able to convince him where she wasn't able to convince him before. So, I just felt like there's no justice here for the fact that he, like, really did some majorly bad things. 
and um, she just kind of like forgave him and they moved on and that was the last time we ever saw the bad guy um, and I kind of like wish there was like a more satisfying resolution to Wei Zhonghe and Chen Yue's story um, because we don't find out if they're still together kind of like in the final episode you kind of get the sense that he's like pushing her away again because he wants to make the right choice and he doesn't want to hurt her or something random like that like i'm supposed to suddenly believe like i've spent all these episodes believing that he's just doing bad things because he's a shit guy and now all of a sudden i'm supposed to believe that he's gonna make the right decision in the right time because he loves somebody like i don't know about that um so that's why I didn't get a perfect 10. There are just some, like, little areas of nitpickiness. Um, there's some inconsistencies with the time travel parallel world stuff. But I liked how they rooted it in physics. Um, and with some real, like, actual physics theory um, that they talk about and try to explain in the show. Um, overall, I was incredibly impressed. And um, I really liked this drama. So, what do you think... Have you seen this drama? Do you have any thoughts about the story or um, the themes and the motifs that you saw? Um, if you did, um, you can find me on the Drama Maniacs Discord server. Um, I'm Alpha Ane, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. If you want me to do a deep dive on your favorite drama, send me a private message on Discord. Um, I would love to watch your recommendations and do a deep dive on them. You can find um, our website at www.dramamaniacs.weebly.com. You can find our server on Discord. And our next episode will be airing on Monday. We'll see you next time. I'm Alpha, and I have thoughts.